Welcome to Paradigms on WBKM.org. This is episode number 151, Sunday, September 8th, 2013. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Paradigms. My name is Baruch. I'm very happy to be here with you tonight for the first show of our fifth season. Wow. I hope your summer was inspiring and that you had some great experiences. I certainly did. So before we get into tonight's show, I just want to let you know a little bit about what's going to be coming up in season five. Very excited about this. Uh, First of all, next week, Nako and Chase from the band Medicine for the People will be on Paradigms. Can't wait to talk with them and share that conversation with you along with a bunch of their music. But other folks who are going to be on the show this season include Sarah Elenoff Acker, who has just written a new book called Unclenching Our Fists, Abusive Men on the Journey to Nonviolence. That will be very interesting. Musician Rod Kinney has a new CD out called Higher Self. We'll be talking with Rod. Uh, Stephen Chinland is an Episcopal priest who has spent many years working in the New York State prisons. We'll be talking with Stephen. And uh, Fish, formerly of the band Marillion, currently touring in Europe with his new CD, Feast of Consequences, will be on the show in November. We'll also be hearing from some more of the young people at a place called home in Los Angeles. Uh, Also hearing from a woman who has just started medical school in Cuba. We're hoping to have regular reports from her. The Great March for Climate Action is happening starting in March 2014, and Paradigms will be there. So that's just a sample of what's coming up this coming season of Paradigms. And as always, lots of great music, always focusing on the mission. Visions of a Viable Future for Life on Earth. So I hope you'll tune in every week and listen to Paradigms Sundays at 8 or get the podcast from the Paradigms website or iTunes. Now to talk about tonight's guests, our first guest is an astrologer named Terence Gardino. Now Terence works with two different kinds of astrology, Western and Vedic. Whether or not you believe in astrology, the point of this is that this person holds more than one worldview at a time and is able to work with that. I think you'll find the conversation interesting. And our second guest tonight is Eben Upton, who's one of the inventors of Raspberry Pi. That's spelled P-I. Raspberry Pi is a little tiny computer, and you'll get to hear about why they invented it and who's using it and what they're using it for. Music tonight features artists Ferrin, The Jam, Srikala, Warren Zevon, and others. So, well, let's get into our first interview. Here's the first part of my conversation with Terence Gardino. Terence Gardino, welcome to Paradigms. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you with us for our first show of the fall season. And I would love to learn more about what you do and some of your perspectives. So just to start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? And then I have a whole bunch of questions for you. Okay. I started off as a Western astrologer 
back in 1977 when I started working with clients. And then about five years ago, I became really fascinated with studying Vedic astrology. And now I combine both systems into my readings. But then some of the more purist Vedic customers, they just want a pure Vedic reading, which I also do. So that's what I've been doing. Now, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that these two models come from very different worldviews. Yes. So what I'm curious about is how you as a person hold two very different worldviews, how you bring them together and how they work separately. And I ask partly because of curiosity about the astrology, but also as a paradigm for all of us, the idea that we may be able to and in fact need to hold multiple worldviews at a time seems relevant. To keep it simple, with Western astrology, where you're using transits and progressions and solar returns, I still use that. And in Vedic astrology, they're also using the transits. They may be off a sign, but it's still the same planets, meaning the same things. It's still moving through the same part of the chart. The difference is that in Vedic astrology, they have this great predictive technique called planetary periods or the dasha periods. There are nine main dasha periods over the course of 120 years, and they use only nine planets in the chart. They don't use Pluto, Neptune, Uranus. So they use the other nine that includes the North Node and the South Node that they call Rahu and Ketu. And so what's really great about this system is that whatever those planets represent in your chart, those are the karmas that are promised in your lifetime. But they're not going to be triggered until you move into one of these planetary periods. And then each planetary period is further subdivided into nine sub-periods to describe more specific events. With Western astrology, I was never quite sure, and I had to always just rely on my intuition, when the transits, when Saturn was coming up to Venus, as an example. You start thinking about love, but could it be money? Could it be art? Could it even be, you know, is Venus affecting your health? But with the planetary periods, it's giving more of a background description, more of background themes, so I can really hone in more. It's more comfortable for me to just use the Western transits, but I also incorporate the background Dasha themes. Now, for someone who knows nothing about astrology, everything you just said is going to mean nothing and be maybe even confusing. Can you... Describe the different worldviews that Western astrology and Vedic astrology hold. Well, Western astrology came from the Babylonian era, and then it kind of progressed to Greece about a couple thousand years ago. And their worldview of astrology in the heavens was they were watching the sun. In Vedic astrology, that was being developed, you know, two, 3,000 B.C., they weren't looking at the sun. They were looking at the moon and the night sky. And they knew that the moon took 27 and a quarter days to come back to the same position. And so they decided that they would divide the zodiac into 27 sections, 
where the Greeks divided into 12. With the Greeks with the 12, it was based on the sun moving through each sign, 12 different signs. But in Vedic astrology, they were looking at how the moon moved through one portion of the sky each night, and there were 27 of them. And they were called nakshatras, which is a Sanskrit name that really means that which does not decay. So the Vedic worldview is more on the moon and the stars, and the Western is on the sun and the seasons and, and just the movement of the sun going north and south. It's very interesting. It makes me wonder about the difference between a solar-oriented society and a more lunar-oriented society. Some of my Vedic teachers have pointed out that it is probably, when you overlap the systems, there's probably a 70% similarity hmm. because the signs, the planets, the houses all mean the same things in both systems. It's just that they use transits a little bit different. They use a different zodiac. And the Vedic astrologers came up with this incredible Dasha planetary technique. So if we look at these two systems on a sort of a linear timeline, the Vedic came first. Yes, I do believe it. While there are differences in the symbols, the iconography, there are these similarities that you're describing. You know, that kind of speaks to the ways that human beings are similar in spite of whatever differences we might have. And I'm curious, in your work with people using these two systems, what you see about the similarities in looking at these systems with people, how that's useful. Well, how it's useful for me is that sometimes I... You know, and this is long before I decided to start studying Vedic astrology. Um, there would be sometimes I would look at a Western chart and go blank. And I would have to proceed very slowly, and it would take me some time to sort of like open it up and make a connection. Now, when I look at a Western chart, and it doesn't make any sense to me, I can look at a Vedic chart, and it may light up. But then vice versa. And I may be somebody wants just a Vedic reading, and I'm studying the Vedic chart. And I'm not really getting it right away. So I'll go to my Western chart, and then that will light up. It's sort of like I, I have more of a support system to get to the information I'm looking for. That's pretty cool, you know, multiple angles from which to approach a reading. That was the first part of my conversation with Terrence Gardino. Now we're going to get into some music, and then we'll be back with the next part of that conversation, and Terrence will be telling us some more about what he sees in his work as an astrologer. Here's a song called Jupiter Rising by Emmylou Harris on Paradigms on WBKM.org. Why don't you call me? Do you think I won't answer? 